Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, 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 what's up, guys? How are you today? I pray all is well. This message stirs your faith, falls on good ground, and does what y'all produces good fruits in your lives. Cheers for those who got it right. Woohoo! Today, we are talking about helper, not hunter. And baby, this is hot in the fish grease, y'all. So just hold on tight, okay? Hold on tight. Make sure you got some ice cold water because you're going to need to cool off after you receive this word. You hear me? But let's say a prayer before I jump up in this thing. Spirit of the living God, we thank you for a beautiful day. God, it doesn't matter what the weather looks like outside. It doesn't matter what's going on in our lives, what seems to not be going right or according to our plans. But Father God, we thank you that the beauty comes from within, which is you. Thank you, God, that you live in us. Thank you, God, that you made us a part of your family. No matter how many people out here don't feel like they have a family, don't feel like they are part of a family, don't feel like that their family loves or cares about them. God, I thank you that you love and care about us. And so I thank you, Father God, that you help us. You take care of us. You call us by name. You know the plans you have for us. It doesn't matter what things look like right now in the earth. Father God, we can trust and stand on your word that says, I know the promises. I know the plans I have for you. And so, Father God, we declare victory. Whether we could see victory right now or not, it doesn't matter. We declare victory in Jesus' name because we know without a shadow of a doubt that the word promises victory. God, I thank you that your children who are called by your name are coming to the forefront. They're coming to the fold, God. I thank you that your church is going to look like how you want it to look like and less the way it has been. Father God, I thank you that the lost sheep will return on home and will be welcomed and celebrated because they knew where they can go to feel that love, that comfort, that care. They knew where their help came from all along. So, Father God, we just rejoice for the victory that is going to come, that's going to arise after this time of testing that's encountering the whole world. We're going to see the church rise up in a new way. And that's powerful, God. That's amazing. And so we thank you in advance, God, for the revivals that's going to spark out in each individual that then will be communities revived and restored and redeemed in the name above all names, Christ Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. Thank you, God, for being just who you are. We give you glory, honor, and praise. We keep none for ourselves. And Jesus name we pray in the church says, what y'all? Amen. All right. So today we are talking about helper, not hunter. And I am like on fire for this. Pop, 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 pop. Baby, I'm popping hotter than popcorn, okay? Hotter than fish grease. I'm excited about this word because as I was like working with God, you know, to listen to what he was trying to say to me through this word, there was so much wisdom 
which is interesting that we're going to look at several books of wisdom in the Bible today um, because there's so much that needs to be addressed in the earth today, especially in the church, because God is shaking everything up. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The Bible promises it. And so we're seeing that in this day and time. And God is saying, my church has been looking one way for far too long. I've heard one pastor say, if Jesus came back today, would he recognize his church? Chances are no. And I know as I'm constantly in studies with the father and in prayer with the father, as I read many of the old texts at the time of Noah and even as I read Ezekiel and I read Jeremiah and particularly because, you know, God speaks to me a lot about Jeremiah as he's developing me as his prophet to the nations. And I'm like, Jesus, what's interesting is um, a lot of what I say to you privately, God, and a lot of what I'm reading in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And even as I, you know, go back and take a look over in Genesis at Noah's life, we're seeing the same thing happening today. I mean, this is, you know, pretty interesting, pretty crazy here because we are over 2000 years later. Well, 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 over 2000 years later. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably more than more than that. Um, and we're still seeing the same problems. We're still seeing the same recklessness of, of living of people who feel like they want to turn their back on Jesus. They want to turn their back on God and live where they want to live. We're still seeing warfare and strife and injustice and, and, you know, and more immorality. We're still seeing lust and sexual pleasures just reeking them up. We're still seeing this stuff today. I remember when um, I started to see things kind of heightened, especially in culture and in society. And I was like, God, what is going on? Like, since when did it be okay for a nude for nudity to be shown on regular primetime TV? For not even primetime TV. I mean, you can now turn on the news and you will see nudity. They don't even blur it out anymore. You could go on your, your you know your Instagram feed or your Facebook or whatever and see nude pics. It, it's not even blurred out anymore. You know, especially because of certain celebrities that just made it okay. And it's just like, when did we get to here? Because it used to be a standard that said um, that, that there was a right way of living. That was the standard, the right way of living. And anything else was considered immoral. And now it seems like what is immoral is now cool and hip and fun and great and thumbs up. And what is integrity, what is um, valuable to God, what is moral is, you know, seem as less than and booze and jeers and no, we don't want that. But God said that that's, that's my kingdom. My kingdom is upside down from the world. And so if God's kingdom is upside down from the way the world works, then why isn't his kingdom operating the way it should? I don't just mean the kingdom in heaven. I mean the kingdom on earth because I'm not worried about heaven right now. I worry about heaven when I get there. <laughs> I'm worried about earth right now. God's saying, what is going on in my church? Because you just don't know what you want to do. You know, it's like the uh, the church in, um, in Smyrna um, in Revelation chapter 3. Like you, you hot and cold. You just in or out. I mean, you're just doing whatever you want to do with no care in the world. The world, excuse me, whatsoever just don't care don't care god's standard don't care um you know what god you know how god looks at us the things that he wants 
to see in the earth. You just, you don't care. You want to live in the way you want to live. There are a lot of people who say they are Christians and live very much like the world. How? How are you a believer in Christ Jesus, but nobody can see the fruit? Your faith is a culmination of all the religious systems in the world. You burn sages. You got Buddha statues. You uh, pray five times a day. You, uh, and, and this is, you know, me pointing out the religions of this world. You know, you, you got crystals that you pray with. Um, you know, sound bowls and, and all these different things. And then saying, but I believe in Jesus. I heard a pastor say recently, and this is one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Stephanie E.K. O'Coffer. She said, is Jesus enough? Ooh. Yeah. I'm asking the same question today. Is Jesus enough for you? I might even do a whole episode on that. I don't know. Because what we see today is, it seems not, it seems unlikely. It seems that people don't feel like Jesus is enough. And so you do whatever you want to do. And you think that it's okay. Go with me to Revelation chapter 2. Starting at the 18th verse. We're going to read about the message of the church in Thyatira. I'm going to take a sip of water and then I'm going to get into this message. Okay. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. Deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come to all who are victorious, who obey to the very end to them. I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my father. And I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit. And understand what he is saying to the churches. It's time for purity to come back into God's church. Mm -hmm. Spiritual purity. It's a pure way of living that is untainted by the realities of society. God does not care about what's going on in culture. He is culture. He makes culture. And what I mean by that is not what we see in the world. I mean that because he is the creator, then his way of living is the best culture to be a part of. He is the tastemaker. 
of every time, <laughs> not just of this time, of every time. And so why would you want to follow in the footsteps of these people that you idolize, your favorite celebrity, and live like them when Jesus says, no, 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 live like me because I am the way, the truth, and the light. But the choice is yours to choose to stay whom you will serve. There are many people out here who would rather be the hunter and hunted than to be the helper and help meet. Ooh, yeah, I said that. <laughs> I feel like I got to repeat that for people in the back. I'm going to repeat it again. There are many people out here that want to be the, um, the hunted, excuse me, and the hunter and not the helper and the help meet. Everybody thinks that it's cool to just go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Go get that bag. Go get the opportunity. Who cares who you throw under the bus? Go get your shine. Go get your time. Go get go get whatever it is. But what if God's asked you to submit? What if God's asking you to help? There are many people who will never stop, even in their day-to-day schedule, to help somebody. I've seen it. I have seen people watch somebody fall and keep walking by. And you don't even think to stop to help the person like the good Samaritan. But you call yourself a believer. Well, no, because no, I got to be here by this at this time. Do you not think the person who is time, which is God, will not give you enough time to get to your destination, even if it is your job? Do you really think like that was all a test to see what do you value the most? What is your idol? Because in that moment where you saw somebody in need of help and you said, well, listen, I can't because I got this to do. You show God that that's your idol. Whatever that thing is, whether it was your job, whether it was your your church building, whether it was your children, your husband, your relationship, your friendships, whatever it is, you chose that over helping. I gave you guys this uh, story before. I'll give it to you again. Uh, you know, one time when I was at a low point and I remember um, asking for prayer and the person was just way too busy. On their way to the church building to um, have prayer, corporal prayer with the church and Bible study, then to stop and give me prayer. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry, make that make sense. Because it, it's hard to for me to understand how I'm asking you for help. But you don't have time to help me because you got to go offer that help somewhere else where they don't need the help. Because think about it. The person who really needs the help the most is the one that's asking for it. The people that don't need the help are the ones that are giving the help. So for an example, a lot of times, if you think about the church as a hospital, God's the doctor. The workers in the field are the nurses. But there are the field, which is the patients. The patient is the one that needs your help nurse but if you are telling the patient that you can't help the patient because you gotta go help another nurse that nurse can wait because that nurse has enough training needed to do their job and whatever they don't ever excuse me whatever they do need they can go to the doctor god to receive it 
but that patient doesn't have the training that neither nurse has. And so you as the nurse, man or woman, this is gender neutral. You as the nurse has the ability to help that patient. So how are you telling that patient as in me at that time that you can't pray for me because you got to go meet with the other nurses and pray together to serve the God, to serve Dr. God. But Dr. God was looking for you to stop in that moment to tend to me. And so we got to understand that God is calling us to be helpers, not hunters. And so you may say, where does the hunter part come in? Because there are a lot of people that will rather go out on the hunt for that next thing, that next big break. And you can never humble yourself to help where God plants you. Yes, you may have the desire to be on a higher level. You may have the desire to be the boss. You may have the desire to be the lead pastor of the church. You may have the desire to, um, to be the next manager or whatever it is. You may have that desire to even be a, a parent, for example. But if God has not blessed you with children yet from your own womb, but he has blessed you to be a surrogate parent in a sense to other children, whether it be your teacher or um, you are a daycare um, you know, assistant or you help out at the church with the, the children there in a different um, children's ministries or you may even have some family members in your life or friends in your life that have children how do you serve them you're praying for you to have your own family but God says but there's a single mother right there or even if there's a married couple but they haven't had time to connect in their own marriage can you babysit for them like can you take on a responsibility that is somebody else's and help instead of hunting for that next thing that you want because God has it for you. He will never give you the desire to have it of your own. But he never gives it to you yet just because he wants to see, can you steward well what somebody else has and be be thankful and, and, and prayerful for them? Not praying P-R-E-Y-I-N-G on them. I taught a whole message on that in the Trigger War series of last season of the podcast. So if you missed it, go um, look it up. Trigger War series, pray, not pray. God's looking for you to pray P-R-A-Y for people, not P-R-E-Y on them. Don't pray on them. Pray for them. You know, I even taught earlier this summer in a bonus episode where I said, D-D-D, disciple don't demonize. Because you are not meant to weaponize what God placed inside of you. It should not be a bargaining chip that, oh, if you can only give this to me, then I will give it to you. If you can only... um promote me or pay this fee of mine then I'll do because Jesus didn't do that to you he didn't say if you can pay the cost of the cross then I'll be your savior he said I'm gonna take it for you before you can even think about what it's gonna cost I'm gonna take that for you because you can possibly pay for your sins so I'm gonna take that pain for you do you realize that you're supposed to be on the cross I'm supposed to be on the cross because of our sinful life our sinful past. But Jesus said, I'm going to take that for you because I'm going to help you because you can't. So I'll be the hunted and the hunter to go after the demons that you can't battle, that you can't face. All I need you to do is just be my helper, be my help meet. Because Jesus, as it says in the Bible, is the bridegroom. We, the church, are his bride. So therefore, we are to help meet the need of the bridegroom. Just as he said it um, in the practical sense of marriage in Genesis chapter um, chapter two, where he says, man should not be alone. I will make a help meet for him. 
And that's when he put them to sleep and created Eve. But even before he created Eve, he created the animals. And then when he realized, when Adam realizes that his helper was not amongst these animals, then God put him to sleep and created Eve. Go read your Bible now. Can you be the helper to the king? This is what it's about of being a king, kingdom ambassador. Can you be a helper to the king and not expect anything of it? See, a lot of people only serve God because they're expecting God to be a genie. I'm going to do this for you, God. And so in return, I'm expecting you to answer my prayers. But is Jesus enough? Like what he did for you already to save you from your sins, to um, to give salvation to you freely, to make a place for you in heaven. Is that not enough? If Jesus never does another miracle in your life, are you content with your lot that you have today? Because if it's not enough, there's your idol. Theirs was really on the, the um, top of your heart, the top of your list. You could say in your mouth all day long, no, it's Jesus. But if you thought of something else just now, instead of the answer of yes, Jesus is enough. Then that's your idol. And don't worry. God's not going to throw you away because that was your idol. He allowed it to come to light so that you realize that you have been idolizing this thing, this situation, this person. And now you submit it under his authority. That means you cast it aside. You give it to God and say, you know what, God, I don't want this to be my idol anymore. I want to put you back on the throne of my heart, God. And so take this thing away from me. Now, God may really physically take it away from you. Or it just may be that he shifts your heart. So that it no longer is is um, the top thing on your heart, the idol, the first thing on your mind. He becomes the first thing on your mind. But can God use you to help? You know, one of our anchor texts of Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus says the great commission to go out and make disciples. But how can you make disciples if you're trying to be the hunter and not the helper? Because we're going out amongst sheep and amongst wolves, but we're calling the sheep back to the fold. And so if we're going out to feed the sheep, to tend to the sheep, to take care of the sheep in the field. Then you have to understand that sheep sometimes are mindless. They have no idea of what's going on around them. They have no idea of the, the, the warfare that's going on around them, both spiritually and in the natural. They look for the shepherd to tend to them, to protect them. And so us as under shepherds, us as workers in the field, tending to the sheep, our job is to help do our part to keep the sheep protected. And so even if you right now, because we are still sheep as well, we're all sheep under God, under Jesus, but it all determines Oh, excuse me. It's all about your spiritual maturity level. There are some that are still at sheep stage of faith because they're still at milk stage of faith. But then so they're, they're still calves, but um, or, or babes. But then there are still um, there are others. That are at meat stage of faith. Those are the under shepherds. They are in a position to help the other sheep. But, but we were all once sheep at first. And we still are technically sheep in God's eyes. 
So even if somebody is an under shepherd, it doesn't mean that you're any better than the sheep that you're tending to. You're just like them in God's eyes because we're all sheep. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. It's just that I may be spiritually mature enough to help you at a level that you have yet to elevate to. And so I have some wisdom that you need. And so I pour into you. But it's our job to be the helper, not the hunter. Oh, this makes me think of, I don't know why y'all lately, (laughs) the Looney Tunes keep popping into my mind. Because I haven't seen the Looney Tunes in a while. But I remember there used to be a cartoon where, um, where there was, was Wally Coyote in that one? I think Wally Coyote is in that one too. Um, yeah, I think he, yeah, I think it is him. And so it's, it's Wally Coyote and then it's, um, a sheepdog. And so the sheepdog's job, you know, you see him walking in, he clocks in. You know how Looney Tunes is, very silly. And so the sheepdog clocks in for a shift at, you know, tending to the sheep. And while he's protecting the sheep, Wally Coyote decides, mm, I'm hungry. There's some sheep. And so he decides to go after the sheep. Well, as he's going after the sheep, he even sometimes will put on sheep clothing to look like the sheep, to blend in with the sheep. And as he, you know, every time he snatches up a sheep and he thinks that he's one and he runs with the sheep, here come the sheepdog cleverly disguised or cleverly um, going after him and always like bops him on the head and, and walks away. The hunter is always, the moral of the story basically, <laughs> is the hunter, which is Satan, is always prowling around. Like the hunter seeking whom he may devour. So it is our job as the helper, the king's ambassadors to stand on guard for those that have no idea that they're being hunted. For those that have no idea that um, that all this is taking place. Because as you will see in the cartoon, um, the sheep are all together just eating, minding their own business. They have no idea of the warfare. They have no idea of the attack that's about to happen. And even when one sheep is taken, the rest of the sheep that weren't near that one sheep still have no idea what just happened. So they're minding their business. That's what's happening in the world. There are lost sheep in this world that are operating in this world, minding their own business, living the way culture says live. They have no idea of the warfare. They have no idea of the enemy's attacks that's gearing up to snatch them out of here. So it is our job as those who have become enlightened to the reality of spiritual warfare to realize the enemy's tactics and then to be God's helper on the field. Being willing to like the sheepdog clock in and do our job. Now understand just like in the cartoon, there's multiple sheepdogs. So the sheepdog's job is only for a certain amount of time. And then he clocks out and another sheepdog comes in. And so you got to understand, as I talked about before in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that our job is to maybe plant the seed, take care of the sheep in a sense, tend to the sheep. But then our assignment shifts. And as we shift along with God, moving where he tells us to move, helping in other areas that he tells us to help in, there's somebody else who's going to take up that, that position that we once had. You cannot occupy both positions. And I know we see that in the church today where people are trying to play dual role. No, play your part and play it well. Remember, I taught a message earlier this season, so go check it out if you missed it, called Jack of All Trade, Masters of None. God wants you to master a particular area. And when you master that area, he elevates you to the next area. But he doesn't leave what you were t- tending to, uh, you know, um, unattended. He sends another sheepdog in that would tend to those sheep. 
He sends another, um, you know, person in to come and water that field and tend to that field. Because even with the, the healthiest rose bush, there comes a point or even the tallest tree, there comes a point in time where things must be shed and pruned away in order for new life to be brought up again. And so there's constants. It's a cycle. That's why he talks about in Genesis chapter eight for um, in the earth, there will all be seed time and harvest. It's a cycle. So while you may move on from your next uh, from one destination to the next to, to help God in another area, what you tended to is not going unguarded because God knows that the hunter is always there. The hunter is always trying to snatch up what seems to be unguarded. You don't have to keep being the guard. You can move on and trust that what you're moving on from is being tended to. I can't be talking to somebody today because, <laughs> again, this wasn't part of my notes. But God is just moving. You got to be willing to be a helper and not a hunter. Don't worry about that bag. Another of our anchor texts is Matthew chapter 6. I know some of you want to go hunt. You want to get that bag. You want to see um, your career take off. You want to, you know, be on stage and, and be, you know, praised and worshiped and celebrated. You want all these accolades. But God says, no, no, don't hunt for that. Hunt for me. Draw closer to me. Matthew 6, says, seek first my face, my kingdom and live righteously. Live the way I tell you to live. Everything else will be added unto you. Because in that living righteousness, you understand that the fanfare is not for you, it's for God. And so you get out the way and realize that it should be given to God and not for you. Your priorities change. So don't hunt for the things that are of this world because they're fleeting. Store your treasures up in heaven. As the, as the rest of Matthew 6 talks about. Store your treasures up in heaven where moth and rust cannot get to it and destroy it, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Because the things of earth are fleeting. They can be here today and gone tomorrow. But the things in heaven are what's going to remain. And so um, go with me to go with me to Proverbs 18. We're going to look at, you know, this book of wisdom. And um well, we're not going to read, of course, the whole book of Proverbs because it's 31 you know, chapters. We're not going to do all of that. Um, but we're going to look at Proverbs 18. I'm going to read this chapter to you. Um, but on your own time, spend some time in the book of Proverbs. There's so much wisdom just in that one book. I mean, every question you probably thinking of or, or want to ask God can probably be answered in Proverbs 18. That's why I love God so much. He makes sure because he's a helper. You know, he, he he's the creator, but he also shows us through the help of the advocate, the Holy Spirit, how to be helpers. That's why Jesus even talked about before in um in the book of I think it's Matthew 20, where he talks about how to serve, where he washed the disciples feet. He's you know, it's like, look at the way I serve you serve others. Look at the way I help you help others. He showed us, shows us how to be a helper. And he left us with a whole manual called the Bible on how to be a good helper, on how to serve others and how to serve God. And on how God would take care of us when we take care of the needs of him. See, the king never neglects his subjects. Not a king that cares, not a good king. 
He will never neglect his kingdom. He will always tend to and take care of his kingdom, making sure that all the needs are met. And so you can trust and believe that whatever needs you have, God will take care of it. But it's about trust. It's about establishing that relationship to know who he is for yourself. If you don't know who he is for yourself, then it's hard to build trust on somebody you never spent time with. Yeah. I feel like I heard somebody say, ooh, yeah. <laughs> you got to learn how to spend time with God. Get to know his character. Because when you get to know his character, then you learn to trust. So let me take a sip of water and I'll get into this word for you. Okay, Matthew 18, starting at the first verse, reads as such. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Okay, I'm going. Bye, y'all. It's like, <laughs> okay. Because I feel like that just summed it up. Unfriendly people, the hunters, only care about themselves. They lash out at common sense, just like in the, the parable, if you will, of the Looney Tunes, <laughs> you know, uh, the wily coyote only cares about himself. He don't care about the sheep. He don't care about um, their well-being or nothing. He cares about, I'm hungry. I, I see something juicy to eat. I want to go after that. I'm going to get that bag. I'm going to eat it. And so they lash out at common sense. That's why I said, uh, I think it was in yesterday's episode where I said, um, I find it interesting that wily coyote can afford all of these contraptions by Acme, but you can't afford to go to the market and buy yourself a meal. <laughs> and then go home and cook it like you got time to buy all this stuff you got time to put it together and test it out and make sure it work but you don't have time to go and take that same resource and go to the market and buy some food and take time to cook you something to eat instead of keep chasing this roadrunner but just like in life there are many people chasing the roadrunner and you're chasing this this idea of success that the world um has and the enemy has made it seem like it's so beautiful to obtain that and so you keep going after that and you keep trying to grasp it and you keep just going for the things that's fleeting of this world and not realizing that it is fast and quickly passing you by and the quickers that you get it is the quickest you're going to lose it because every time that wally coyote I don't know why I can't get off the Looney Tunes, y'all, so just bear with me. <laughs> but every time Wally Coyote um, would catch, the few times he would catch the Roadrunner, he would lose the Roadrunner just as fast as he caught it. And that's how it is in this earth. The faster you catch the success, the relationship, the marriage, the whatever it is, is the fastest way you'll lose it. Because you sidestep the process that it took to develop you to that point so that you could sustain it. So that you will have what it takes, the wisdom needed to um, steward it well when you got to that level. That's why you cannot rush God and he's not going to rush you. He is going to make sure that you are prepared for what you're praying for. And then sometimes you got to be um, wise enough or or rather, excuse me, learn, learn it enough to get to the place of wisdom to realize some things you're praying for. God doesn't want you to have and you won't um you don't have what it takes to steward it. I'll give you an example before I finish the text. You know, I remember um I would pray to God about certain things, for example, children, as you were saying earlier. And my example, you know, uh, about people who want kids, but then you don't want to be a helper. As so I remember praying to God, like I'm going to have a bunch of kids because growing up, um, I have a lot of cousins and so I felt like, and I had a lot of cousins and particularly from 
um, one particular uncle who just had a lot of kids. <laughs> so I was like, okay, but I'm going to be like that. I'm going to have a lot of kids so that my kids can like grow up and, and just, you know, have siblings to do life with and have fun with or whatever, because I grew up an only child, um, on my mother's side to about 12 years old. And though my dad had a lot of kids, I just didn't, um, really get a chance to like hang out with them as much growing up and so I felt like you know what well, I'm gonna have a lot of kids when I grow up well baby well <laughs> you know in a sense God tested me in various ways to see do you really want what you're praying for and so I was offered many opportunities to help with children whether it be to help at the church with you know um the different uh daycares or youth ministries or organizations or whatever or even Girl Scouts or um or there were other times where it might not have been something like that. It might have been like a friend or a family member had kids. And so like babysitting them and watching them. And I realized I don't want all them kids. Okay. <laughs> you know, God, I thank you that you are helping me to realize what I truly want and what I can truly handle. And so I have tailored my prayer to realize that what I've been praying for. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I can't handle that God. And I thank you that you didn't open that door. I thank you that you didn't give me those opportunities because you realize you're praying for something that you cannot handle. And so we got to be careful. The things that we think we want because the world says we should have it. Do you really have what it takes to steward it? You're hunting after something that God may not have graced you to handle. Even for those people that's like, I want to be a millionaire, a billionaire, a trillionaire one day. Do you have what it takes to steward your money well now? Because if you can't steward the amount of money you make at your job now, you will not be able to steward well and to handle a trillion dollar deficit or, or excuse me, a trillion dollar budget, a, a million dollar budget. You won't be able to handle that. You will get the things that you've been praying for and then dog it out, wear it out or find yourself back at square one. Because you hunted for it so bad, you wanted it so bad, you got it so fast, and you lose it so fast. That's why people are, you know, you you hear a lot of times people that win the lottery lose it in like five or ten years. Because you got that money so fast, you hunted for it. I mean, you bought a lot of scratch-offs and this, that, and the other. You hunted for it so bad, and you never allowed God to help you along the way to learn financial literacy so that when you got the money, you blew through it. And you wind up back where you started. God does not take us through process for no reason. God takes us through process to develop us so that we will have what we need to steward well on that level. Everything worth having is worth working for. Proverbs 18, 2, continuing on. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Doing wrong leads to disgrace and scandalous behavior brings contempt. Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. It is not right to acquit the guilty or deny justice to the innocent. Fools words get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. I'm going to read that again. 
The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. Part of, let me pause real quick. Part of helping or being a helper is you're giving a gift. You're giving of yourself and you're giving something that God already placed in you. He gave you the resources. He gave you the gift. He gave you the talent to be able to help. And so you're giving a gift that will open doors for you, whether the door is open immediately or the doors are open later, but it will give you access. Um, Before I continue on the text, I remember a vision that God gave me a while back where um, he basically showed me that he saw everything I did when I was taking care of my late grandmother. You know, in the vision, I was taking care of an elderly person. And even to the point where the person's body got broken, um, just like my grandmother's did, I was willing to carry the person where they had to go to to freedom in a sense, to a better place. Because there was a, a, a in the vision, there was a storm basically brewing. And so that person couldn't stay where they were. And so I literally put them on my back and carried them the entire miles um, pathway that was laid before us, even um, having to battle through, you know, through traffic and, and very short, narrow pathways and, you know, moments where I felt like I was going to drop the person and I was so afraid. And this is, you know, though this is in the spirit realm of a vision, this is how I also felt in the natural. And so as I'm like walking and carrying this elderly person that I'm caring for, I get to a halfway point in a sense. I get into um, a tunnel. I go into a tunnel and at the halfway point of that tunnel, it, um, it says, I don't know what it was halfway point. I would say like a little bit after, so maybe like a quarter way into the tunnel. I'm, I'm, you know, stopped by this bright, bright light, bright, bright room. And then all these um, soldiers in a sense come out and they say, lay the person down here. We'll take care of them. And I'm like, well, you know, you sure I've been carrying them this long. I want to make sure that they're cared for properly. You know, I'm telling them about their injury. And so the person says to me, we have everything covered. We have everything they need. We'll take care of them. Just lay them here. We have them. And so I lay them there. The person I was carrying down and, um, and these people pick up, um, the, the person and they wheel them back to what seemed like a hospital room or something. And so I'm, it's in that moment where I realized how weary and exhausted I am. And the person tells me, they say, um, you know, just, just rest. Let's go in here um, and, and get you some rest. And so I'm like, okay, well, what's, what's behind there? So they say, follow me. So I follow them into this, this room that's a, a tunnel uh, or not a tunnel, like um, a hallway. That's what I meant, a hallway. And as I'm walking through the hallway, I see at the end. Now, one thing I didn't tell you. I've shared this, this vision before. So those that have heard probably know, but for the new listeners, one thing I didn't tell you was at the beginning, as I was tending to caring for this ugly person, just like in the natural, there were people around that were family that were not helping me. 
And so I carried this person by myself on my back the entire time while walking with the other family, other family members who did not offer any ounce of help. Except for one time when I had to bend over to tie my shoe. And so they said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll take it and carry to carry the person, the elderly person for you for this one second when you're done tying your shoe, you got to take it back. And that's basically what happened in the vision. And so, um, you know, I get into the hallway and somehow the people that were walking with me are at the end of the hallway and they're talking to this man that I knew to be a king. I don't know how I've never seen the man before, but something in my spirit said, this is a king. And the king is speaking to them in a language that I have never heard before. And the king is basically asking them, why didn't you help? Like they have to give, they had to give an account as to why they saw what I went through and offered no help. And as I was listening and observing, and I'm not even that close, but somehow I'm able to hear and heed the conversation being had about me. Then um, the king walks over to me and speaks in a language I have never heard before, but I, but I understand the words and basically tells me to follow him into an open door. And I follow him to open a door and there are, um, I won't say the names of the musicians, but there are musicians there that I'm in awe that, that these musicians are there. And I'm like, wow, you know, oh, I, you know, I love your music. He's a Christian artist. I'm like, I, I love your music. Wow. I, I you know, not, I'm surprised I'm in this room. And before I even can get into any ounce, you know, I'm not really a, a person that fans out, but before I can even get into that, just say how much I admire their music. They're like, hi, Andrea. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. How you know my name? Here I am thinking that I'm coming in to admire you. And what I didn't realize is when I walked into the open door, these people knew my name. Now, again, these are Christian celebrities in a sense. They are Christian artists in real life. I'm not going to say their names. And it was like, how did you know who I was? I never met you a day in my life, but they knew who I was. Why? Because the king announced me. And so the time to the this, this scripture text of Proverbs 18, verse 16, giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. You have no idea what you may sow, what you may help. In an area that God says, help, how that's going to open a door for you that no man can shut. Revelation 3 verse 7. You have no idea the rooms that God has your name in, but it's attached to your obedience to help. Even in an area that means you might have to sacrifice. Because when I took care of in the natural, when I took care of my grandmother, I sacrificed a lot of things that I wanted to do. And it came also at a cost, not only of financially, but a cost um, in terms of world travel. I had opportunity to do that and I couldn't. Um, it came at a cost of of people talking about me who would never, as I even saw when they went through their own situation, never make the, the, the sacrifice I made. But they talked about me making a sacrifice to take care of my grandparents. And so I remember, um, you know, feeling like. I would never get an opportunity. I would never see an open door. I missed my moment. I missed my time because I helped out in this area that God called me to help out in. I helped take care of my grandmother when nobody else would step up. And for those that's like, wait a minute, I thought she said grandparents. My grandfather was um, paralyzed. So he had his own nurse and care team that took care of him. Um, so it was just me to take care of my grandmother. But still, nobody helped. And I remember wondering, did God see 
me helping. Because a lot of times we feel like we want people to see us doing the work as the helper. But you got to understand that even if people don't acknowledge what you do, just like in the vision, people didn't acknowledge what I did. They talked about me and they walked away and didn't help. But God saw it all. God saw it all. For those that haven't pieced it together, the, the, the midway point in the tunnel, first of all, the tunnel is a tunnel transformation. It's where you go through what was old into a new life. The people that I met that were the caregivers that said, okay, lay down this person, we'll take it, we'll take care of them. They were angels willing to take up what I was caring for, which was my grandmother. And then the king, as I said, was, was God, was Jesus Christ. The voice he was speaking to me was the through the Holy Spirit, the spirit of tongues. And the door was because he is the door. He has the key to walk me into any room of opportunity with the important people that have the means that he has given them to make my dreams come true. And God is the same thing for you. Don't think that the open door is only for certain people. It's for the people who are willing to be obedient to God's word, who are willing to stop hunting for the things of this world and be a helper, the things of God's world. Because when you are a helper of things of God's world, the things you are hunting for, God gives you because you're willing to do the things that is of him. And so um, I'm going to wrap this up as I hear God saying, um, may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord God be gracious to you, show you his favor and give you shalom, give you his peace. Take care. Love you guys. Bye now.